we've had this vision of kind of the art of the possible that started about a year ago. If you recall, Hims, uh, 2019, we, we actually had a, an ambulance uh, in our in our booth at the AT&T booth at Hims, and we kind of pitched and mocked this up. And since then, again, we've had so many good discussions with customers. They're 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 volunteering their time, their resources to come in and help us write the specs. What are the requirements? What are the work streams? How does the data move? How would I like to see it? And then they're they're really chomping at the bit for this kind of uh, transformational solution to be able to deploy within their system. Hi, and welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Today, I have the privilege of being joined in the studio by Rod Cruz. Now, Rod is the general manager of healthcare solutions at AT&T Business. Rod's been on the show before. Rod, thanks for making time to catch up with me, and welcome back on the show. It's good to be with you again, Des. So you have been on the show before, and welcome back. Uh, and folk will know you for uh, a number of reasons. Both uh, you you're on the show exactly one year ago, which is uncanny. But also we've caught up on camera a number of times. So it's great to catch up with you, and, and I really appreciate you making time. Um, I want to just quickly outline what we're going to cover today, and then I'd like to dive straight in, if that's okay. That'd be perfect. So I wanted to chat about a couple of key things that we're getting a lot of attention at the moment in the healthcare space. So particularly 5G and how that relates to healthcare. So I was going to ask you to give us a 30,000 foot uh, foot view of the overall industry and, and where it's at currently. And then I wanted to talk about some of the success stories you've had in the likes of the Connected Ambulance. I was, I'm fascinated by that uh, for a number of reasons, which we'll get into. And particularly the combination of FirstNet and 5G and Internet of medical things that goes into that. And then I wanted to talk about the whole topic of digital health technology and, and the broad spectrum that's there, a couple of key things I want to dive into. And then I wanted to close up with the whole patient experience because I'm always interested in that sort of, you know, what's in it for me, for the listeners. You know, it's great to hear about the technology. They love hearing about what you and Rod Cruz are doing in your team. Uh, they're always fascinated about what AT&T Business is doing. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what's in it for me. So, Rod, I wonder if we could kick off with maybe just, uh, firstly, just 5G and particularly in the context of healthcare. Could you maybe just give us a, a brief 30,000-foot point of view industry update on kind of what's happening currently? What are the big moving things and what should people know about with regard to what you're doing in healthcare and 5G at AT&T Business? Uh, does, yes. Um, thank you for the introduction, and it's so good to, to be with you again. And yes, there's been, um, it seems like everywhere we turn, the media, the industry, the analysts, and obviously our customers are very interested and what's going on in the 5G area. And that's for good reason. 5G will shift the paradigms for many industries, including healthcare, and it's really accelerating the experiences into a future that today seems a, a bit like science fiction. Uh, we've seen the rise of, of an ecosystem of services and products aimed to change the customer experience and leveraging the 5G powerful connectivity platform to transform how those services are consumed. And really it's becoming more, more about the experience that 5G can deliver versus just the speed. So when you leverage not only the speed, but the latency and the jitter and the number of access points that we can connect through the 5G platform, it really does open up a really big white space for innovation and transformation in healthcare. So some of the work we're doing there, last year we announced our relationship with Rush as the first 5G standards-based hospital in the United States. Um, a few weeks later, before HIMSS last year, we announced our work with VTOS and the work they're doing with hospice 
as it relates to space uh, AR, VR, and really the uh, distractive parity, uh, therapy work that done um, they've done in that when that's with that customer. But when we think about 5G at a higher level, we think about multiple areas of focus, and it starts with um, things like education and training. It moves into 3D, uh, 3D virtualization collaboration. It moves into um, cognitive behavior therapy, as I mentioned earlier, the work with VTOS, and then it moves into other specific subsets of that, such as uh, remote robotic surgeries, to name a few, and even moving large file images and videos through the hospital wherever, whenever needed. And so I'll, I'll drill deeper into the work and the, and, the, uh, and the work we're doing with Rush. And that is one where uh, Rush is actually using the 5G connectivity platform to be able to move large images and files throughout their system. So think of large MRI and PAC images. If you remember, Des, you attended our AT&T Business Summit, and in our, in our pod, we had a demo of a, a one-gig file uh, that was being downloaded on the 4G network, which took uh, almost five minutes, and then compared to the one on the 5G network, which took about 11 seconds. So you can already just see very quickly with the speed of the, of the connectivity, how by moving that file where and when needed, you can begin uh, beginning the diagnosis. You can map that, uh, that, that image to maybe 10,000 other images to compare, to highlight uh, different areas of focus for the physician before they even scan and look at the file as well as being able to move it uh, to and from where necessary really before even the 4G can download it. So the, the work we're doing there really is revolutionary, and we're seeing a lot of value and traction in that particular use case. As it relates to VTOS, um, a lot of the work being done with distractive therapy and focused on the end-of-life experience, but this particular use case really does work with pediatrics, or even chronic pain management. And the idea here is that you're decoupling the mind from the body so that they're uh, being able to, uh, to slow down the respiratory rate to really lower the anxiety levels and be able to even show improvement in the experience. And there's enough research to validate this, right? So the end of the day, rather than putting the patient on opiates or other potentially really mind-numbing drugs, uh, you're able to the, distract them, provide a better experience, and really enhance their, uh, their end-of-life journey. So the work we're doing with VTOS is very critical. We're doing research to really identify how, you know, what kind of material is relevant. So is it a meditative walk through the woods? Is it sitting on the beach? Is it maybe visiting one of the eight, eight wonders of the world? Is it maybe taking a stroll through your, uh, base, uh, your favorite baseball, in, uh, baseball park in Boston, Fenway Park? anything to just distract the body uh, from the mind or the mind from the, from the body's pain that they're experiencing. So I think that um, the work we're doing there, again, with VTOS is, is groundbreaking, and we're really looking forward to doing more with many of our other customers. So at the end of the day, those are the major areas we're thinking about 5G, and we do believe it's, it, is a, it is fraught with white space innovation, and really 5G will be the, the fuel that will drive that innovation um, across healthcare. And I, the, the way I'll close this particular part of the conversation, Des, is I think of 2007, 2008, whenever the iPhone was launched, and then in 2008, the, the App Store opened up, 
Um, so it really became a benign download to the uh, uh, to iTunes. Uh, as of last year, there were over four billion downloads from the App Store. Um, and I promise you that when the App Store opened in 2008, no one had real clarity and vision to be able to outline all of the different ways in which we use our smartphones today, how we engage with our financial institutions, how we, you know, maybe make a reservation for a restaurant or an airline airline flight, or be able to uh, obviously enjoy all the uh, benefits of social media platforms. All those weren't thought of day one when the App Store opened in 2008. I feel like we're in a very similar spot. And what we're looking for from an AT&T perspective is to continue to find customers that are willing to partner with us to define that roadmap to help us bring clarity to those use cases. And I do believe over the next five to 10 years, we'll see the kind of revolutionary transformation innovation like an app store delivered back in 2008 that will be brought to life by the 5G network and the connectivity and the platform that that delivers to our healthcare customers. Uh, Indeed, it's an exciting time to be alive. And the thing that I love about what I see coming out of yourself and your team and AT&T business is that when we think about a lot of technology providers, they often are point solutions. They do one thing great or they might be do a couple of things the thing I see coming out of AT&T Business and, and backed by AT&T, the brand, is that you do the full stack. You do it from the network, whether it's the consumer uh, or enterprise-grade networking capabilities all the way to mobility, mobile phones, devices, tablets, uh, to FirstNet, which we'll get into in a minute. But then you also have the capacity to do the end-to-end sort of 360 capability from ideation and design and whiteboard sessions to is this possible can we do this all the way through to yep here we go we've got it rolled out and and now we've got a uh, an ambulance screaming down the road with flashing lights and it's 5g connected with things in it Uh, because i think a lot of these uh, environments excuse me whether it's um aged care or hospitals or emergency response they're all still struggling with a lot of the key challenges that we see out there in enterprise you know cloud transformations digital transformations cybersecurity. So I think it's so critical now that they've got you to count on to be able to help them with this. And, and it is exciting to see this because I, I see inside hospitals they're challenged with that, that sort of combination of their own business systems just to run the organization. Uh, then they've got the medical devices and systems in there and networks and all the security with it. Uh, and then they've got the people themselves, you know, training people, empowering them, giving them devices. You know, the days of devices beeping at us and not being connected are long gone in my mind. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, I see there's an amazing and exciting opportunity for the actual patients and, and customers, if you like, and that they could be more smart and connected, intelligent and informed and fully immersed. And I, I love that example of Vitas. I had the privilege of chatting with um, Z Hussein, your associate, and uh, Patrick Hale, the CIO of uh, Vitas Healthcare, the other day, uh, talking about what they're doing with uh, virtual reality. It was just mind-boggling to think that when I think it was like 8 or 15 minutes, somebody did a virtual walkthrough of Machu Picchu and had a significant reduction in, in pain experience uh, because they were effectively distracted or using distracted therapy to just manage their, their you know, end-of-life pain. Uh, that was just a mind-blowing concept just to get my head around. One of, one of the things I'd love to do is, I mean, you've talked about a couple of the amazing success stories and you've talked about Rush and whatnot. Could you maybe just give us a, a brief run-through on the types of journeys they go through? So when organizations like hospitals or healthcare providers in, in some form, when the service providers approach you and say, look, we're going through a digital transformation ourselves, we're doing this bit, um, what does that actual journey look like from the point where they reach out to you, whether an existing customer or a new customer, and you walk them through that journey of, okay, well, here's where to start, here are some of the key challenges. I'd love to 
give listeners a little idea of what that journey looks like so they can sort of think about how they might implement themselves when they reach out to you and they start to sort of kick off the conversation all the way through to getting particular solutions rolled out? Yeah, so I think at the very beginning of that conversation, it is simply identifying the areas of opportunities and business problems they're trying to solve. So our methodology really begins with making sure we've got a clear problem statement identified and we've got a scope from, you know, within the customer's point of view of what they're trying to do. The powerful thing about the AT&T portfolio and the, and the value proposition we bring to the table is that after we analyze that business problem, that challenge, that opportunity, we then identify within the portfolio um, what is what is the right solution. To your point earlier, you mentioned point selling or selling a product. We really want to bring the entire solution and, and to try to add more value and really bring integration across a very fragmented space. But once we understand the solution that we want to deliver to address that problem, then we un- unpack it and, and click down and to say, hey, this is what the, the products or the solutions are that make up that, uh, that, that answer to that problem. And then the beautiful thing about AT&T is that we've got such a strong connectivity portfolio, whether it's wireline or wireless so on a wireline perspective, if it's VPN or Ethernet, a dedicated internet, if it's wireless, which is a lot of the buzz in the industry today, right? It leads with 5G. It could be FirstNet. It could be IoT. It could be IoT low band. It could be 4G LTE. And trusting AT&T that will bring the right connectivity to empower that solution, I think that's where we add value. So our approach is really that simple, right? That's the methodology and the framework we use to be able to not try to focus on selling a particular point solution, but really thinking about the 360 view of that problem and then how everything that we can do to help them address that particular need that they're solving for. It's a great approach. I think it's such a complex space uh, around the whole topic of healthcare that uh, single point solutions aren't going to fix a number of any of the big challenges because you just keep putting band-aids on things, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, connected ambulances is something that grabbed my interest a lot. They really piqued my interest because I'm fascinated by this idea that an ambulance in itself is essentially a miniature hospital and you've got to cram as much in those things as possible, including humans to drive and operate them and, and then at the same time uh, provide triage and, and care at the back of it. And you see these vans running around the place saving people's lives. And I, ever since I was a kid, like a lot of kids like fire engines. I was always in ambulances. It's probably a bit weird. I wonder if we can dive into a bit more detail around <laughs> that connected ambulance. I know it's a bit weird, right? Um, I wonder if we could dive into some of the detail around what it takes to make a connected ambulance work. I mean, I, when I look at the success story you've had with the connected ambulance story in particular, in my mind, it, you know, it's a, it's a whole ecosystem that moves around on wheels. But, you know, I imagine it's connected via your first net, which I'd love to dive into in a minute. It leverages 5G where possible and then falls back to other networks. It's loaded with internet of medical things or IoT type things. And then people in there that are empowered. Um, could we maybe just start with the FirstNet capability? Because I'm assuming that all well, these ambulances are, are on the FirstNet network uh, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, maybe a little background onto FirstNet for folk who haven't necessarily heard enough about it yet uh, or aren't fam- fully familiar with it, and then we'll dive into the ambulance itself. Could you maybe just give us a little background on what FirstNet is, how it came about, and, and where it's at currently? Yeah, so FirstNet is one of – it's really the government's first responders network and after the 9-11 attacks, uh, public, uh, public safety organizations and 
first responders at that time of that horrible day really could not communicate due to, due to the congestion on the network. People were trying to text or call their loved ones to, you know, gain status, yet the first responders, meaning law enforcement, uh, fire, uh, fire department uh, personnel, as well as EMTs just could not get to the to provide care for those impacted by that uh, by that horrible event. So the 9/11 Commission uh, report was released and recommended that there should be a standalone dedicated network for first responders. So in case that anything like that happened again, and it, it, it could be severe storms, it could be a natural disaster, it could be a, a pandemic, it, whatever the case may be, the first responders would take first priority on their dedicated network and be able to communicate effectively to deliver deliver care um, and do their do their mission. So AT&T won a 25-year contract from the U.S. government to to really design, to build, to manage and operate this network. It's a $40 billion investment over those 25 years. And so we're, we're very proud of that honor. Um, we, we're very, we take that mission very seriously. That particular network, think of it as the fifth wireless network in the United States. So it's a standalone network on its own core, and it's dedicated for, for first responders. Um, as of uh, end of year, we had over 9,000 uh, public safety agencies connected and we had over 750,000 connections and service. So uh, since we launched it um, at the end of, uh, at the end of uh, late 17, early 18, we really have had tremendous growth on the network, and we continue, uh, expect that, that, that trend to continue over time. So it really is the only nationwide public safety network that helps, again, first responders, but obviously hospitals play a very large role in that particular uh, uh, public safety network ecosystem. So it's a highly reliable, highly secure uh, connect, you know, connection that's delivered uh, 24-7, 365, coast to coast here in the United States. And it really is the, the first uh, U.S. government emergency communication network. So again, it's a, it's a, great, uh, a great honor that AT&T gets to build, run, and operate that, that network for our customers. Um, as, as it relates to the uh, the connected ambulance, that really is a concept that's been around for for some time, and it just basically means, to your point, it really becomes a virtual emergency room that's on wheels and mobile out out in the uh, out in the uh, in the community, right? So the point of it is, or the the main the main thing to think about is how do you keep that 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 mobile vehicle connected. Uh, from the time it leaves the hospital to the time it travels to the point maybe of the accident or the, the patient needs care. And then the second concept of the, the connected ambulance is what are the medical devices I need to have connected on the network that uh, I can gain insights, meaning I'm collecting patient vitals. So I'm collecting respiratory rates, body temperatures, heart rate. How do I collect that information through those medical devices, securely move them, from that point of the accident back to the emergency room over the first net network we just we just talked about, and then for that particular um, for the emergency room and that staff to be able to begin um, evaluating and providing diagnosis and triaging, to be able to get the room ready for when the ambulance arrives, but more importantly, begin administering medical care, and you would do that by establishing a telehealth session between the ambulance and the emergency room. So that's the other piece of it. That's the third 
third uh, work stream across the connected ambulance. And then finally, as you connect those vitals, how do you integrate that into the emergency medical record? So it's got, it's got very cool application because it does leverage, to your point, the IoT network, the 4G LTE and FirstNet network, and then be able to converge them all together and move that data um, where, you know, where that data is needed in different forms because the, and how, how it's collected to, um, to present that information to the emergency room is very different than what would be needed to, the, uh, to be provided into the electronic medical record. And then you may even have another interested party like a payer does who's managing population wellness to be part of that particular uh, particular conversation. So we believe that by connecting all those things, by driving analytics and gaining insights and transparency, moving the data uh, in that intelligent way across those particular different uh, work streams really, really adds a lot of value. And if you take it a step further and think about a rural area, something that may be where the emergency room is maybe 45 minutes away, um, obviously providing care much faster uh, through this connected platform can mean uh, saving people's lives. So we really are, are very, uh, very interested in working um, with, with uh, uh, all the different partners to build this end-to-end solution. Let me go on by saying we are launching, proud to announce, we're launching a, a foundry project. Uh, as you know, AT&T has invested in our, uh, our healthcare innovation labs or foundries. We've got one in Houston co-located in the Texas Medical Center, as well as one here in Plano that focuses on the IoT connectivity. This particular project is being spun up in the Plano foundry, but we've got interested, uh, identified a group of partners. So think of a, a provider, think of a payer, think of an EMR, think of all the hardware required to collect all that data and really make that uh, ambulance connected and smart. And obviously, we're, 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 what is the software required? And then we're providing the connectivity across all those platforms. So we're actually launching that. And hopefully, next time we visit, hopefully it won't take us a year, I'll be able to tell you we've got an end-to-end solution to really arm uh, you know, and, and have something for the marketplace uh, to be offering up a connected ambulance solution that can really change the game as the ambulatory services are providing care in the industry today. That sounds very exciting. And indeed, I have so many questions we could be on air all day. So I will be chasing the team to get you back soon. The thing that really jumps out of me when I was listening to what you were just sharing there, and thank you for that, was that we've had this um, almost a Boolean flipping of the switch from a disconnected ecosystem running around on four wheels uh, in, in sort of isolation in the traditional sense of what an ambulance used to do, pack it up with as many things as you could possibly imagine, get as many humans as you could put in there with the right skills and barrel down the road looking for whatever issue you were dealing with. And it was all these little moments in time. It was like, you know, get in there and rush down the road and try and not have an accident yourself and then figure out when you got there what type of accident was it and then pack the person in and try to keep them alive and then rush them back and then hand them over to the, the triage at the hospital. And I always had this mental picture as, as a kid growing up loving ambulances. I always used to wonder where the handoff was as to, you know, um, from the moment they got there and the driver went from being a driver to another emergency response person dealing with it, there are all these little sort of lines drawn between sort of stop and start. What I think I'm hearing now is that, and I'm confident this is the case, is that we've kind of now extended this window from the hospital itself and all the specialists there all the way through this connected ambulance like a lens out to the person that's had an issue. So 
the, the, the triage team in the hospital don't have to wait till the ambulance comes back and wheel a person on a trolley. They know what's going on from the moment they get there, potentially even with the video, I imagine. And, you know, even with things like haptic feedback gloves where they can sort of, you know, touch and feel things remotely. To me, this seems like such a significant game changer. And I'm keen to get your thoughts on what people are telling you, because this idea of having, you know, going out and finding a problem, dealing with it as best they can while they bring it back to their center of excellence in the hospital and then handing it over. It seems to me that that's completely changed now that they can tell what the person's heart rate is for, at the hospital, even though, you know, even though the person might be 20 or 30 miles away, because the data's coming back. They can tell the stress state. They can even communicate with them. They probably even do a video call. The, the heart specialist can be talking to the people in the field. That connectivity must completely change the culture and the behavior of how healthcare is provided now in the emergency space. When you have that conversation with people, what are their reactions? They must just, they must blow their minds that they can now extend the hospital all the way out to wherever the ambulance is and all the way back. And it's actually, been, you know. It, sorry, sorry to interrupt this. It's no. been amazing because we've had this vision of kind of the art of the possible that started about a year ago, if you recall, HIMSS. Uh, 2019, we, we actually had a, an ambulance uh, in our in our booth at the AT&T booth at Hims, and we kind of pitched and mocked this up. And since then, again, we've had so many good discussions with customers. They're 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 volunteering their time, their resources to come in and help us write the specs. What are the requirements? What are the work streams? How does the data move? How would I like to see it? And then they're they're really chomping at the bit for this kind of uh, transformational solution to be able to deploy it within their system. So I think that the reaction has been very positive just by the number of people that have volunteered to come into our foundry and help us design this and solve this collaboratively. You mentioned earlier, healthcare is such a fragmented industry. It really is wonderful when all these different partners come in across the providers, the payers, the EMRs, hardware, software companies, to help us solve this and drive something really unique transformationally uh, within the industry. I'll also say you did mention this um, in your previous comments around the, the perhaps the EMT has even collecting video, and that's where um, a 5G opportunity may arise where if you think about the tech and he's recording or she's recording the entire session, you, have, you collect videos that may be a couple of gigs, so then if you think about it, once the ambulance kind of docks back into the hospital on a 5G network, remember we talked about rush and moving large images very quickly. Once that ambulance docks back into really the geofence of the 5G network within the hospital, that, that information could be moved very, very quickly to continue to be analyzed and, and looked at. So I think that, again, there's even a, a 5G component to the connected ambulance we'll be exploring as well. Through this, through this foundry engagement that we're very, very excited about. But yes, to answer your question, the, the response from customers has been extremely positive on this effort. Again, I hope to report back with some good news here in a couple of months. No, indeed. Well, just on 5G, I'd like to expand a little bit because when we think about that, it's easy to visualize this long piece of string that follows the ambulance out that gets fatter and fatter as 5G grows. But in reality, it isn't that sort of paradigm at all, is it? It's, it's the case that the ambulance is moving from position to position on your cellular network and it's connecting via low latency, high throughput, high bandwidth 5G connectivity. But it's multiple pieces of the puzzle, isn't it? It's, it's, it's potentially, and, and, and this is where it gets interesting because the ambulance itself might have some form of maintenance capability that goes back to the manufacturer 
manufacturer, it might go back to the insurance company, it might go back to mapping. And then in the ambulance, you've got the health component, which is, you know, things that go beep, um, tablets, uh, mobile computers, uh, phones, sensors. So this, as you said, it's like this little miniature hospital running around on wheels. But when we think about the 5G piece, uh, give us a view of some of the, the, the places in the ambulance that 5G is actually connecting. Because, you know, I think it's easy to think that 5G just means it's like a thick Ethernet cable following it down the road. But it's exactly the opposite, isn't it? It's a case of lots of different types of connections, lots of different types of services from all the different devices, from people's smartphones that they're using uh, personally or professionally in their job. It's the, the tablets, the computers, the, the, even the, the van itself, isn't it? It is, and so if you think about it, you would put some sort of uh, router in the install that within the uh, within the ambulance, right? That would be connected to the five G network where available, and that's why I I use the uh, the words carefully to say once the ambulance you know got got it within the five G network, right? Because I w- I would expect the majority of the connectivity that you've described for all those devices and endpoints would be mostly around the first the first net network, and of course, as we mentioned earlier. The, the EMTs were, are classified as first responders, eligible to be on the first net network, would have, you know, prioritization preemption capabilities on that network. And I think that um, in the time of obviously providing care, that the majority of that connection for all those devices, whether that be the, would be the, the blood pressure cuff and the thermometer and the, and the heart rate monitor, all that would be something that would be on the first net network, although maybe having some IoT connectivity to a hub once that hub captures that information, it would be moving through probably the first net network for the majority of the time. Again, the 5G would be something like I just downloaded a one gig file through, uh, maybe I'm capturing different files and images and videos that I need to move. And then once that ambulance docks back in, that router recognizes that network is there and that pushes it out as soon as it recognizes. So the beautiful thing about this, Des, is that um, the customer doesn't have to get into the nuts and bolts of all that. We just entrust AT&T with its connectivity wireless platform capability across FirstNet, 4G LTE, IoT. We'll be able to solve that, and that's what we're going to do in the foundry, right, is be able to define all those different data streams, all those different connected endpoints, bring that together, and deliver this connected ambulance experience. It's almost like uh, my favorite thing, the ambulance has become one of the most exciting uh, and exotic fixed wireless access points. Inside the ambulance, there's a lot of use of sensors. I know you've got a lot of Internet of Things, uh, although we now call it Internet of Medical Things in there. Um, is it the case that a lot of the devices in the ambulance are mobile in that, you know, I can imagine things like smartphones and tablets and other devices, but it seems to me that there are also a lot of other things, like you mentioned things like, you know, blood pressure, or certainly heart rate, uh, you know, where there's a scan done on a large image. Is it the case that a lot of things that are in the ambulance now are also mobile, and that is that as the patient's put into the ambulance and cared for and they bring them out on a, on a gurney or a trolley or whatever it's called in different parts of the world the relevant intelligence can move with that patient back into the hospital and move from being connected to the ambulance to connected to the hospital itself but yeah i think that's the vision long term um, i do think that um, leveraging that connectivity because then you get it once you get within the four walls of the provider right that's a whole nother really landscape and frontier we need to conquer in terms of being able to connect things internally right so but that would be that would be the uh, so for example, uh, Stryker, which is a, the gurney company here, largest manufacturer of gurneys here in, in the United States. Um, you know, we're we're having discussions with them around. Hey, can we put some IoT sensors on the gurney to be able to know when a patient has been admitted into the hospital versus we're in a queue 
versus my technician is maybe having a cup of coffee in the cafeteria. So they need transparency into that process. One example of how by just adding intelligence and connections, IoT sensors to that gurney, you you bring transparency into it. So again, last time we talked, we talked about if you go into most um, emergency rooms today, uh, you know, those devices aren't connected. They're not driving intelligence. They're not collecting data. They're not building data lakes. It could be later used for artificial intelligence to make better, to deliver better outcomes. Obviously, the more you can drive connectivity, the more you can um, you can drive analytics to those connections to drive insights, transparencies, collect data to deliver outcomes. That's where the value prop and really the next wave of opportunity resides for us going forward. Indeed. Yeah, I've always had this image that, uh, you know, when the ambulance goes out in the field, if I've uh, fallen off a motorbike, for example, and they pick me up and put me on a gurney, wheel me back into the into the bus and they do that little magic trick where they shove it and the wheels fold up and I'm inside the bed and then they get there and they do the reverse to get me out and take me into the into the triage and through to surgery. I had this mental image that once they pick me up off the road and put me on this thing, God forbid if it ever happens to me, that you know it should be able to tell my weight. Uh, they should be able to put you know like a, a little tether on me that sort of straps around me through Bluetooth or something and then connects me to that. So that little thing becomes a mobile operating table from the moment they pick me up all the way through to the, to the surgery and operating room. And all that, as you said, all that intelligence can be gleaned from me just by putting me on that thing. Um, I know, you know, when I go to the gym and I grab hold of the handle of the bike and I'm spinning away, the bike knows my heart rate, my you know, uh, blood pressure, whatever, just from holding the handlebar. So I can imagine all those sorts of things are possible. I'd love to talk about some of that broad brushstroke around the, the whole digital health technology space that we're leading into here. And then, and then sort of pivot into the patient experience if we can. Around that connected ambulance, there's so much technology that is either being connected or can be connected. What are some of the other examples of, of digital health technology you're seeing emerge now, uh, given that you know, you're connecting it all, you're the underpinning fabric from FirstNet, or if FirstNet's not used, it's your, your AT&T network as a whole and leveraging 5G? I'd love you to share any examples of some of the emerging technology you're seeing, uh, whether it's at the consumer space with apps on the smartphone, all the way to things that are in the ambulance itself that are getting more intelligence. Yeah, and so I'll do a, a, a really a unstack a lot of the work we've done in the patient experience arena to really highlight the, the digital transformation um, that we're trying to address with, with the solutions in the portfolio desk. And I'll tell you, some of the major trends are, are really, uh, they really catch, catch your eye. So over 49% of all uh, executives in the provider space, you know, cite the patient experience as a top strategic priority over the next five years. I will tell you that most providers think of the patient experience as, am I delivering care with empathy? Am I, um, do I have a coordinated care team that can really address multiple um, multiple conditions simultaneously, consider them all as I'm providing a single care plan. Um, they think about an experience to say, is the care I'm delivering in New York City the same as I am in Los Angeles, right? Um, so uh, is really my, my service levels equal at multiple locations. From an AT&T perspective, I've learned that when we talk about a patient experience, it really is a sliver of that. It really is, how do I digitally connect to the patient to really drive a different experience as I connect with them and really they do business with me as a consumer. So I want to be clear that when we talk about patient experience from the AT&T perspective, we're focused on 
what are the digital tools, what are the things that we can do to make it easier? How does a how does a patient slash consumer want to interact with a provider? That's where we've done a lot of the work. I, I want to expand on that because I've been I need to be careful not to think that we're doing anything with empathy or coordinated care or driving service levels across multiple locations for a hospital. But I will tell you this, that if you increase your patient experience by 10 points on your promoter score, that leads directly to an increase in your profit margin. So the providers that are focused in this area, the, the providers who are thinking about this patient experience across all these continuums are going to be the ones that are successful because at some point in time, uh, we're going to have a choice as a consumer with the very, very high deductible plans today, I think consumerism is coming into healthcare much faster. And what that means is if I'm having to pay several thousand dollars out of pocket to meet a deductible or before my employer might've paid the majority of that, I am more interested in knowing about the quality, about the experience, about the cost of care. If you think about it, Des, why is it that when I, if I were to go Google and say, I've got a sprained ankle, one particular provider charges me $2,000 and another one charges me $500 for the exact same service. So this consumerism trend is really important in healthcare. Again, from an AT&T perspective, we're thinking about it in the way, how do you digitally connect? And to be very frank with you, we plagiarized for many other industries in terms of uh, how, do, how, do they, how do people engage? So whether you're um, dealing with an airline or you're dealing with your financial institution um, or whether you're at a, at a Dallas Cowboy football game and you want to buy a professional player's jersey, you, you deal with them through a kiosk. You have a kiosk, a digital interaction that you can do that. So AT&T has a check-in kiosk that provides a lot of different um, capabilities and functionality. Number one is it provides patient identity and authentication. Gardner's telling us that by 2025, over 50% of all patient identities will have to be tethered and tied to the medical record. That way, whenever I provide care outside the walls, I am ensuring that I'm providing the right, uh, or that I'm dealing with the right patient and then providing the right medication uh, and, and meds to that particular patient. So this kiosk provides the capability of a facial, facial recognition, a fingerprint, a palm vein, scanning a government ID, perhaps even scanning a, uh, a, uh, an insurance card to tether that information to the, to the patient, as well as even building a QR code on Android and iOS platforms so that next time you check in, you typically would just scan a, car, a, a, a QR code and it ties your identity to the to the, your appointment and to your medical record. So that 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 is a that is a wonderful um, platform to collect that information. In addition, we've struck a partnership with Zebra, uh, which is the largest manufacturer of patient bracelets in, in the healthcare industry here in, in the United States. And uh, when that when that uh, you check in, uh, the the patient bracelet will be produced. And then if the, if the provider wants to start tracking through a beacon system, the journey of that patient within their system, they can do so and they can un- understand opportunities for efficiencies. Where are their bottlenecks? Where can I, I need more resources? The same beacon network and platform can start collecting information and work on supply chain information and how do they manage that? Or where's the wheelchair when I need one? Or where's the pump where I need one? So be able to do asset tracking and then patient tracking within the system. 
Obviously, you've heard of us talk about our wayfinding solutions and our maps to be able to navigate the experience. Again, digital orientation to get to the point of care. We've got um, we've got a relationship with uh, Lyft to be able to order um, order transportation if the provider even wants to pay it. Right to be able to do so. We've got a point of sale solution from Ingenico to be able to collect either deductibles or outstanding balances. So that whole entire platform is intended to be able to provide that capability rather than you meeting a clipboard with five or six uh, pieces of paper with redundant information uh, to be streamlined. So operational efficiency streamlined, you can deploy that FTE to do something else within the system and drive higher efficiency. So that's one area from a digital transformation. We've identified a major trend we're solving a particular problem with a solution, Des, and the cool thing about it is it's a very unique, you know, uh, differentiated solution with capabilities we haven't seen in the marketplace today. So we're very proud of that solution. The other one, obviously, is wayfinding. So you can use a wayfinding. Think of a Waze or a 3D navigation tool to be able to orient the patient throughout the system to be able to get them from their car all the way to the point of care. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's something else we focused on. The other item uh, I mentioned earlier, but patient tracking through Zebra to be able to map and understand the patient journey. We think that's a very valuable addition to the portfolio from a connected patient perspective. Obviously, the other thing I didn't mention with the kiosk is that uh, we're even looking at how do you do all that work remotely on your smart device before you get to the appointment. So I should be, uh, that's something on our roadmap, but I do want to talk about we're even thinking how you keep adding and, and adding more capability to that solution. So uh, talking about the kiosk. So then again, that's something else we're working on now to say, how do you do that in advance through a smartphone to do the patient identity authentication, fill all the, all the HIPAA, all the high tech requirement forms, provide information to the, to the, to the provider even before you arrive we think it's a very natural extension of our of our platform that would be you know residing within the provider's wall. And finally, I'll close with we've got a relationship with another company called MobileSmith in which uh, we've got communication through an app to be able to remind you of your pre and your post activities before a medical procedure. So on the moment of truth, we did we typically do really well, Des, in terms of you're coming in for a for a knee replacement surgery or procedure. Uh, we do well the day of, but if you had to do something to prep um, before before and you miss something, 17% of all appointments in the U.S. Are, are having to be rescheduled because the patient does not arrive ready for the procedure they're about to they're about to encounter. So, reminding them to adhere to a protocol before the procedure is really important, and then after they're discharged, you use the same app to obviously continue to talk about. Uh, med, you know, to be able to take your, your your prescriptions as a reminder, to be able to say this is your physical therapy, here's your upcoming appointment. So you've got a communication collaboration tool to talk to the to the patient before and after the procedure. So again, we're really proud of the work we've done across that whole entire portfolio uh, to be able to uh, to be able to stay connected to the patient. I will also tell you that we're really close on announcing a very important relationship with another strategic partner to help us um, develop remote patient monitoring, as well as telehealth, uh, PERS, personal emergency response systems, as well as uh, connected homes through asset tags. So the point there is is that uh, we understand that the regulation landscape has changed here in the United States. 
On January, the, the CMS changed the reimbursement codes for a lot of these solutions desks. So we're very close to announcing a partnership that are really, really, if you step back for a moment and you think about our check-in solution, our patient tracking, our wayfinding solution, our, our pre-post-op communication, coupled with uh, a remote patient monitoring solution with telehealth uh, capabilities, the personal emergency res- response wearable, and a connected home with asset tags. That's a fairly robust patient experience, connected patient portfolio that AT&T can bring to the table while we leverage our connectivity and analytics. So we're very proud of the work we've done in that space. We believe the providers that really go deep in this area will be the ones that are not only going to be profitable, but very successful going forward because of the rise of consumerism is here. It's not going away. And it's going to be kind of a common denominator that most consumers expect as they engage with their healthcare systems going forward. Uh, right. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. I feel like I could write a book about just that section there. I mean, the the enablement of patients, uh, when we think about patient experience, it seems to me that you, you've provided so many options for caregivers, uh, whether it's in-home or in the ambulance or emergency or at the hospital in between. You know, a better informed customer, a, a, a more immersed customer is an intelligent and happy customer in my experience, and that certainly translates into health. I love the uh, the phrase you used of plagiarizing ideas from elsewhere. I think leveraging capabilities on everything, you know, looking at all those different customer experiences and different uh, realms, be it uh, travel, transport, education, whatever. There's so much to learn from that. Um, I think it's great that it's now translating back into the healthcare space. And a couple of things really jumped out at me that I'll just highlight because I'd like to quickly jump into the whole topic of data protection and cybersecurity. But you mentioned something around uh, about nearly 50% of, of the uh, folk making decisions in the hospitals are realizing this is, this is a necess- necessity for them to look at. And that is just the underpinning commercials, that running the organization, running the business, becoming more lean, getting a better ROI. Sometimes we think about hospitals and, and we feel that they shouldn't be making money. But if they don't make a profit and they are profitable, they can't provide a good service. So I, I think it's interesting that you bring that business capability as well to help them uh, you know, reduce operational costs to provide better levels of care and different types of care. But I, I absolutely love that point you just made around connecting people, giving them the intelligence before they come in, getting prepared. You know, in all things with health, it seems to me that the more informed I am, the more comfortable I am about what's going to be done, whether it's going to the dentist or, or getting something done on a, on a, soldier, a shoulder or a knee. Um, one of the things that jumps out of me here is that when we connect everything and it all becomes digital, that generally translates into data somewhere. Um, and whether it's data moving across the network, whether it's data in and out of the systems and apps, or whether it's data just sitting at rest in storage on servers and, and disks and whatnot. Cybersecurity is a big topic. It's on everyone's uh, lips around the world in the enterprise space and in the consumer space. We hear about data breaches from you know social media networks and games. We hear about it in, in banking and enterprise spaces. Uh, I even heard about an airport breaching some custom data the other day, which just shocked me. But underpinning all of this data with the intelligence, uh, there's a huge challenge of just securing it and the, the whole cybersecurity topic itself. And I know, you know, AT&T Business has had decades of, of, of being a world leader in this space. And you've recently acquired AlienVault, yet another exciting brand to add to that capability. Where does cybersecurity fit into all of this from a conversation point of view? Are people talking about it early enough? Are they aware of it? Are they, do they even understand that there's a risk around the data at the moment, or is it still early days in this space? No, heavens no. It's not early days. It's something I think uh, many CIOs and decision makers in healthcare consider each and every day. 
Um, I will tell you from an AT&T perspective, it is an area that we need to do better. We need to be louder about our capabilities. And um, I, I believe I've shared this data point with you before. Um, 276 petabytes of data traverses the AT&T network every single day. That's 10 to the 15th. Um, we have over 90 billion vulnerability probes done daily in our network, right? So my point of, of highlighting those two data points is we do security really well because it's what, how we manage our network in our, um, in, our own, uh, in our own house, if you will. And it's not something that most people in healthcare think about AT&T as having, eight, you know, healthcare, uh, I'm sorry, security expertise, but it's something definitely one of our core areas and one of our strengths. In the healthcare industry specifically, it was interesting. Um, last year at HIMSS, I just didn't see as much buzz about about security in a lot of the uh, of areas. I think a lot of the buzz, right, Des, was around AI and blockchain. And I still uh, think to me that uh, their security has just got to be paramount in any of these discussions as you move patient health information, as you've got to consider dimensions as HIPAA and high-tech uh, you know, requirements to make sure that the data is secure and safe. Last year in 2019, there were almost 32 million patient records that were breached. That was up from um, 13, to 13 million or so the year before. So it continues to be a very, very big area uh, of uh, focus for the bad guys. It's not something you can ever sleep on. You've got to continue to have that. And I would just tell you that from an AT&T perspective, you know, we can help healthcare organizations um, really help identify cyber risk, um, help them with compliance management solutions. We understand edge-to-edge security technologies. You know, what are the, what are the deep, um, uh, our, we've got deep, deep security expertise in our, in our, uh, in our security operations centers uh, that we can leverage. We've got cybersecurity consultants. I will take that as a personal challenge to make sure that we really get louder and prouder about our capabilities because you cannot, as much as you have connectivity does and you've got intelligent edge points, if the information is not secure and managed properly, um, it's not going to be something that, uh, that will be uh, sustainable in healthcare given the very unique requirements of the industry. No, indeed. And I'm glad you highlighted that because I think it's one of these things that, as you said before, it's easy when, you know, when you think about whether it's an event elsewhere, it's, you can get excited about things like machine learning and artificial intelligence because they are game changers. But sometimes these game changes uh, shift our focus from the things that are just foundational requirements. And, and I think as we're moving faster and faster and the rate of change and the pace of disruption increases, uh, I, I know a number of CIOs feel almost breathless because they're just sprinting to keep up. But I'm glad you highlighted that because I think it's one of those things where, you, you know, you're an organization that is handling so much data every millisecond of the day. And as you said, it's, it's hundreds of petabytes just in your network alone. Uh, I always look at AT&T Business as one of those organizations where you, you are effectively your own first customer. You have to design and implement and build and manage and maintain solutions for your own systems to provide services to customers, as well as do that uh, provision the same service to the customer. So whether it's building data lakes, building cybersecurity solutions, you know, even from just developing basic strategies, getting a strategic paper together to describe it, getting some sort of roadmap, getting a plan, getting some training and education. I mean, even the fundamental challenge of a hospital working out, have they got the right HR approach to hiring people and ensuring they understand security? I'm glad you highlighted it because I think it's a conversation that has to happen and it has to happen in parallel to everything else running as opposed to some adjunct. 
I wonder if I could wrap up with one last uh, question for you. I, I, I'm very keen to get some sort of long-term vision on, on sort of up-and-coming trends. One of the things that my listeners always ask me for is kind of, you know, ask the guests for what we should be talking about. Where do we go? Uh, as a last question to you, I wonder if we can sort of do a little bit of crystal ball gazing as to the next three to five years. What are the big things that you believe, based on what you're talking to organizations with currently, that healthcare providers, healthcare service providers of all types, whether it's aged care, whether it's emergency response, what are some of the big topics and trends that they need to be anticipating and, and, and gearing up for now and, and ideally coming to yourself, Rod, and your team uh, at AT&T Business's Healthcare Business Unit saying, we're not prepared for this. We need to think about this. Can we start a conversation? Over the next three to five years, over the horizon, what are the big topics that we should be talking about currently? Well, I, I will lead off that answer, Des, and, and it's going to cover some of the areas we've discussed here because um, I think it's just going to be a major trend. Those are major trends that continue but without a doubt, 5G, 5G in healthcare over the next 18 to 24 months, I really do believe that you're going to see the expansion of that app store analogy I referenced earlier with a lot of different use cases where it leverages the 5G network capability. Um, I think there's a lot of education that needs to be conducted, I think, especially in healthcare where they're, they're less, um, you know, they're just more risk adverse to, to be early adopters. But I think we're going to need to find the ones that are willing to Help us build that roadmap together, leverage that expertise and that capability of the network, and then continue to develop the roadmap together. I would have to I would have to lead off with 5G is going to be you know very very uh, very huge in healthcare um, over the next three to five years. I'll tell you that from a from a from a from a public network security perspective, I think FirstNet will continue to blossom within healthcare in another big way. You'll see things like the Connected Ambulance Project um, that'll, that'll be spawned off from that network, uh, network coverage and our commitment to deliver uh, the, you know, the government's network from a, from a public responder perspective. I do think that uh, remote patient monitoring will really become ubiquitous. I think now there's just the financial incentive. I think in the past, uh, without the reimbursement that's just been opened up as of January, I think it's going to become really big. And I think um, AT&T will be front and center given our connectivity capabilities um, in that solution space. I'll also share that uh, we recently have just um, announced a, uh, a relationship with the J. Lawrence uh, Ellison Institute out in California. And I think uh, we built a kind of the, the clinic uh, of the future uh, as they're transforming cancer research, wellness, and education and um, they came to us, and we were able to really build an end-to-end solution from, from a distributed antenna system, 5G millimeter wave, intelligent edge. We've got the patient tracking solution I spoke of earlier. They'll use that to, to do asset tracking within the facility. They, they built a mobility platform to communicate with the community. We've really sold um, pretty much everything into that, in that particular, or provided, rather, that the entire solution set for the Elson Institute. And I think a lot of uh, customers are now coming to us and say, hey, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, build a new facility. So I think um, there's the, and, and, I, and I mentioned that because I think the hospital of the future, the clinic of the future, with all these capabilities, especially as they're doing new builds, is a very interesting space for us because I think that's where if they're not having to rip and replace or augment or, uh, you know, migrate technologies and they get to go build it, we really are in a, in, a, in a really wonderful spot to help those customers future-proof that infrastructure from day one 
make it so it's going to be that that canvas to go build and develop those use cases and really drive what healthcare what a healthcare facility can look like. So in summary, again, I think I would go 5G, I would go FirstNet, I would do the whole remote patient monitoring solution, and I would close by telling you the hospital clinic of the future is something that's real and happening today. I expect those to continue to grow over the next three to five years. Wow. Well, Rod Cruz, it's always fantastic to catch up with you. I, I, you know, when I think about your role as general manager for the healthcare solutions at AT&T Business, I think they need to add evangelist as well on the end of that for your new business card. Uh, mate, thank you so much for making time to catch up with me. It's always inspiring to hear what you're working on. And congratulations on some of these amazing wins. Me as well, Des. It's always wonderful to talk with you.